Hello, hello, and welcome back. You are listening to the Systems Made Simple podcast, and this is episode 142. Today, we're talking about the surprising sales mistakes that could be tanking your ability to earn as much money as you could be, Mm -hmm. and potentially causing you to repel clients without you even realizing it. I have a special guest here with me today to show you what these mistakes are and how you can avoid them starting today so that you can help others see the value in what you have to offer and start earning what you're worth so you can easily hit your income goals. That's all coming up next, so stay tuned. Globally ranked among the top shows in business and education, we're known for one thing, helping overworked entrepreneurs like you learn how to run your business like a true visionary leader. Because when you get the right systems, support, and structure in place, you can spend more time in your zone of genius. So if you're tired of listening to today's business influencers teach the same old worn out marketing strategies that aren't making you any money, it's time to take a look under the hood of your business and fix the engine itself. Because the truth is, you don't have to work as hard as you are right now to scale beyond six figures and create the greater influence, income, and impact that you deserve. The secret to scaling starts on the back end of your business. This is the Systems Made Simple Podcast. Here with me on the show today is the internationally recognized sales trainer, Jeremy Miner, who has taught thousands of people how to go from just getting average results in selling to becoming high six-figure and even seven-figure earners. Now, over the years, Jeremy has been asked by thousands of salespeople to train them on how to eliminate rejection, how to connect with their prospects in an authentic way how to overcome objections, and how to close more sales without being pushy or sleazy. And what I love most about Jeremy and what you will soon find out is that his unique brand of sales training draws from behavioral science and human psychology, not from outdated sales tactics or canned sales scripts or any of those slimy methods out there that we all resist when we think of sales. Inside this episode, Jeremy is going to reveal what it means to be a problem finder and why so many people miss this step and how critical it is to the sales process. He's also going to reveal to you the major mistakes that most overlooked entrepreneurs make that keep them from generating the income that they want. Plus, he's going to explain the difference between selling and making an offer as well as the insider secrets that today's top earners use to close more sales. But this last one's really going to surprise you because it has absolutely nothing to do with the words that you say when you're selling. Chances are we'd agree. Sales is a skill that you've just got to master if you want to grow your business, but not in the traditional, let's go out there and twist people's arms sense of the word. Today, you're going to learn that the best salespeople don't actually sell at all and how you can emulate these same sales strategies within your own business to welcome more clients to your programs or your services in a very honest, very authentic, and very genuine way. (music) 
Jeremy, welcome to the Systems Made Simple podcast. Listen, I'm really excited you're here because I've been watching your reels on Instagram lately. I've been seeing you a lot on social media. I like your philosophies on selling, and I'm excited to have you share those with our audience today because sales is one of those things that a lot of people shy away from. We want to get better at, right? We want to make more money, but it can be difficult for people sometimes to understand how to sell well. So welcome to the show. Well, hey, thanks for having me. And you know what? I think you say that to every guest that you're so excited. I, I appreciate it, though. I love it. So I'm going to take all that as a compliment because my kids always tell me I'm really boring. So every once in a while, when somebody says something nice, I, I love that. So thanks for having me on your show. I mean, I'm excited to talk to your audience about uh, sales and what that actually means compared to how most people have been forced to view selling and how they've learned it because it's a it's a massive difference when we once we understand that so let's go let's do it let's have some fun absolutely well you're right I do say that to every guest who comes on but it's because <laughs> I am excited about every guest that comes on you I know? know I know I just you know hey I'll I, every once in a while I throw some knuckle curveballs you know when I jump on these podcasts you got to keep it fun. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So listen, you shared a reel the other day on your Instagram, Jeremy, where you were talking about something that is so important to the selling process, but it's something that most overlooked entrepreneurs out there, they completely miss. The people out there who are struggling to make sales miss this. And it's something I harp on all the time with our clients. And I'd love for you to unpack it for us, this idea. Unpack it. That's good. Of building a gap. Yeah. What does it mean to build a gap? And tell us why is this so important in the sales process? Yeah. I mean, there is no sale without a gap in the prospect's mind from where they are. Okay. We call that their current state or current situation compared to where they want to be. We call that their objective state, right? What is their future going to look like once all these newfound problems are actually solved? So let me repeat that. There is no sale without that gap. Now, the reason why some of you on here get sales here and there is because your prospect is coming to you and they already recognize how big of a gap they have. But let's all be real. That's like maybe 5% of the people you talk to. Those are laydowns, okay? So gap building is taking any type of prospect because one thing that I think a lot of us don't understand is that most prospects, when we first initially talk to them, and it doesn't matter the industry, don't really know what their real problems are, right? Or maybe they have an idea of what their problem is when they come to that call. Let's say if it's an inbound call or even an outbound lead or whatever, but they don't really understand how bad the problem is, okay? Or they don't understand the consequences of what happens if they don't do anything about solving the problems, okay? Now that gap can only be built in the prospect's mind, not by telling them. Because if you tell them what their problems are and if you tell them what they should do, guess what happens? It goes in one ear, out the other, because, hey, you're biased. You're the salesperson. Of course, you're going to say all that, right? You're trying to make a sale. They know that. So the gap can only be built by your skilled ability as far as what questions you ask at the right time and how you bridge from question to question that make it natural, that make it where it doesn't sound like an interrogation or scripted which triggers their brain, okay, to become open and very curious on you and looking at you as more of the trusted authority or the expert who's going to get them where they want to go. So that gap can only be built by your skilled questioning and your tonality. It's really key that a lot of people hear about it, but they just don't understand what tonality is. So the bigger that gap, 
means that the more reasons they have in their mind to want to change. And the bigger that gap, the easier it is for them to want to make that change now and want to make that change with you. Now, if your questionability is off, if you don't understand the right tonality and the delivery and how to clarify and probe based off their answers and how to shift, well, guess what happens to the gap? It starts to go way down and the gap's not very big. And all of a sudden, when you throw out your price points, Mm, that problem doesn't really look that bad compared to the price. And that's why so many of us get, I want to think it over. I need to keep looking around. I need to do more research. I'm going to try to figure it out myself, which would be for a lot of your audience, right? In the, in the high tickets, oh, they're just going to try to watch some free YouTube videos and figure it out. That's why you're getting the objections because you haven't learned yet, because it's a learnable skill, how to be effective at gap building. Well said. You know, it, it made me think of how when I first got started in my own business, I knew how to coach and I did not know how to sell. What I didn't know was that taking those coaching skills to my sales calls helped me to close more sales. And it's exactly what you're talking about, asking these questions and doing it in a well thought out, well structured way. You know what you're doing as the salesperson, but doing it in a way that's not salesy, right? No one wants to feel salesy. That's that's what I always say. Like, look, if you want to be a great sales professional. If you're an entrepreneur and you want to scale your business where eventually you're not on the phone doing the calls, you want to hire a sales team. First of all, you have to be really good at closing yourself because that brings you more business where you can pay a sales team to do it for you. But you have to really get your salespeople and yourself, if you're a small entrepreneur, to think that selling is just like acting. Okay. So well, let me ask you, Courtney, who's your favorite actor or actress in Hollywood? I'm going to put you on the spot. Ooh, that is a Good question. Okay, so the guy that plays Harvey Specter, Gabriel Mock, in Suits. Awesome show. I recommend it. If you haven't watched Suits, Jeremy, you need to watch it. Anyone listening, you need to watch it. It's a great show. Let's go with Gabriel. Okay, so let's go with Gabriel. Okay, so everything he says in Suits, guess what, folks? Almost 100% scripted when he talks. His lines, scripted. Now, does it sound scripted when you're watching him? No. In fact, it sounds so natural that when you watch him in that suits, you don't you don't think of him as the actor. You think of him as the character he's portraying. Like my favorite actor is George Clooney. When you watch George Clooney in like Ocean's, what is it, 11 or whatever it's called, just as a random show, you don't view him as George Clooney. You view him as the character he's portraying. And why? Because he sounds very natural. Yet everything he says in that movie is pretty much 100% scripted. So as a salesperson or business owner, we have to memorize our lines. We have to memorize the questions we're asking. You know, I see a lot of people, especially in like the high, because we train 158 industries. High ticket is one of those. But we see a lot of people in high ticket. It's like they get lazy because they're working from home or they're working for an office. So they either call their leads or they're on Zoom and they plaster some script, boom, right up on their computer. And it's like they're sitting there reading it or kind of referencing it, like reading it all the time. And it sounds like they're an FBI interrogator. And it typically, especially with an A-type personality, turns them off very quickly and they emotionally start to shut down. So even if you're selling from home or selling from an office and they can't see you, okay, You've got to memorize your lines because if you don't, it doesn't sound natural. Okay. That's why I love a lot of salespeople that are like, you know, going door to door or they're having to meet in, in front of a boardroom or they're meeting at a customer's home. Like they legitly have to memorize everything because they can't like have it written on their, 
you know, they're, they're inside of their arm, like copying their lines. So you want to become like a Hollywood actor or actress. That's why they get paid the big bucks. So if you want to get paid the big bucks as a business owner, or sales professional, you got to memorize your lines. Yeah, great point. And you know, actually another actress who I love is Viola Davis, the lead in How to Get Away with Murder. I've got all these shows I've never seen. My world is opening. I've heard of Suits. I've definitely heard of Suits. Okay, so Viola is an incredible actress. I'm reading her book right now. And she is talking about what you're getting at. Where as an actress, and she talk, talks about the art of acting and how you're bringing yourself into that role, into that character. You're not trying to be somebody else necessarily. You're still being you. Yeah. You're doing it in a very crafted way. It is a craft. And she unpacked it so beautifully in her book and, and talks exactly about what you're getting at, which is where I'd like to talk next with you about this tonality. But before we yeah. get there, I have a question for you, Jeremy. Yeah. Okay. Fire away. What are the consequences of not building a gap in your ideal client's mind? For those listening who are trying to sell, who are failing to do that right now and don't even realize that they're making that mistake, how is that impacting their business? Well, it's impacting it because what, what happens is when you don't build a gap, the gap is very small. Okay. So they look at the problem as like not being that big of a deal because they don't recognize there's that much of a gap between where they are and where they want to be. So they figure that they'll just put it off because it's not that big of a deal in their mind, or maybe they'll try to do it themselves. Like, especially with the industry that, that, you know, the high ticket industry that so many of your listeners are in. So they just view it as like not that big of a deal. So when you throw out a price point of let's say 10 grand or 15 or 25 or whatever you guys sell your products or services or your programs for, you know, that 25 grand and they don't see the problem as being that important because you couldn't help them see it in their mind. Well, are they going to spend that? No. So they're going to say, well, this sounds really good, but I just need some time. I need to really think this through. It's a big decision financially. We need to pray about it. We, we kind of need to keep looking around, doing more research. You know, I, I need to see if I can do some of this, like, right? Does everybody on here get those objections? It's because you're not building a gap. Okay. Most of those objections, 70% of those should not happen if you effectively build the gap and if they end up do happening 20 to 30% of the time, because they already see how big of a gap they have, it's so much easier helping them overcome those basic concerns about not having the money because they recognize how big the gap is. So they'll move heaven and earth. Like they'll go remortgage their house. They'll sell a car. They'll do whatever they can to move away from that pain. Okay. The more pain they feel now they can't feel the pain unless you're able to ask them certain questions that allow them to relive the pain of not having what they want, right? So if you're in the high ticket industry and let's say um, you're selling a program that teaches people how to scale their businesses, for example, we just talked about that. Well, right now they're not able to scale their business. So what is that causing? Like, what is that preventing them from being able to do? It goes much deeper than just like, oh, it, it prevents us from being able to grow the business. That's just like surface level stuff. That also, if you get deeper with them and clarify and probe, we probably find out it's preventing them from being able to pay for their daughter's wedding that they really want to pay for. It's preventing them from being able to retire their parents that they really, that are already working two jobs. It's preventing them from being able to give back to charities that really need their help. that They want to donate to or their church. Like once you get deep with them, and not just build off their why, because most sales, an average salesperson can find out the why of a prospect, but the very greatest of salespeople who make the most amount of money by far are business owners 
are able to help the prospect see what's behind the why, like what's driving the why, not just the why itself. The why is surface level. That's old school selling. That's consultative selling, logical-based questions, logical-based answers in return from the prospect. You have to find out what's driving the why, like what's behind the why. And that gets the prospect like Tony Robbins does a really good job about this. If you walk him out, if you see him on stage and stuff is he gets his prospects or people in the audience to discover not just what their why is, but what's behind the why. And he's doing that because it gets them into their emotional state. And once they get into an emotional state, people make buying decisions off emotion, not logic. There is a reason why he asks certain questions to his audience and he pauses at certain moments and he lets it think in. And then you see the audience. See, he's doing that for a reason because he knows as like a psychologist, because my background is behavioral science and human psychology in school. As a psychologist, you know that in order for the prospect to change, okay, so all selling is is change. For them to change, you have to get them into their emotional state. Because people don't change off logic, they change off emotion. So if you can't get them into their emotional state, there's no change. And when there's no change, there's no sale. Yes. I have a background in psychology too. And this is why I love the field of coaching because we're we're inspiring change, right? Not just inspiring it, but we're the facilitator of that for someone. Yeah. And it's the same in sales. And this is the thing with sales that you know I hear from so many people, Jeremy, is like they think sales is a sales call or a sales presentation. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're selling with every piece of content you put out there. Now there's a difference between selling and making an offer. Yeah. But within all of your content, you should be speaking to this gap between where your prospect is and where they want to be. Yeah. You're seeding it. So that's why you, you know, you start to see me on reels. We do 160 reels a month. Like it's like a content freak. I feel like one week a month, that's all I'm doing is just shooting reels, right? We'll take some of this interview that we're having and we'll wrap this up in some type of reel and post, you know, probably six reels will just come from this. But all we're doing when we're doing our reels is we're seeding without making an offer in the prospect's mind. So our prospects are primarily business people, entrepreneur, sales people, sales executives, sales leader, management coaches, consultants, anybody that sells any product or service. We're starting to seed in their mind that maybe they, even if they're doing good, maybe they think they're doing good, but maybe once they learn more advanced skills, they could be doing much better. So we're seeding, kind of getting them to think about where they're at in their current situation compared to where they could be. And all we do that is by dropping little 60 second nibbles or a little hors d'oeuvres, like little stuff that gets them thinking and questioning their way of thinking of how they're selling now compared to how they could sell and what type of result they could get. So by the time they book in with us, they're kind of already mentally prepared that, hey, maybe I should make a change. You know, Maybe I could sell more once I learn more advanced skills that work with human behavior. So we're doing the same thing. Yeah. And it's powerful whenever you can help someone become aware of the mistakes that they're making that are causing the problem. And one of the things you teach on a lot, Jeremy, is this idea that, you know, you have to be this problem finder and to solve the problem for people. Don't just push your product. And this is a mistake I see a lot of people making is they're sharing content that's too focused on their solution yeah, and not focused enough on their ideal client's problem. Problems, yeah. So for someone listening today who thinks they know what their ideal client's problem is, how can they know for sure? 
And how can they start helping their ideal client, their prospect, become more aware of the problem, the true problem that they're experiencing? And to really prime that pump for that sales call where you then make the offer. Yeah, it's an excellent question because we see so many people and they think, you know, they're like, oh, I'm a problem solver. Well, I hate to tell you this, you're not a problem solver until after the prospect purchases from you. Because if they don't purchase from you, how are you solving the problem? You can't. So you have to be much better problem finding, right? Because if you can't help them find problems that they didn't know they had, they're never going to purchase from you. So you can solve the damn problem. Like every book behind me right here, you, you know, that has ever been on sales will say you have to be good at problem solving. But the problem is you can't solve the problem unless they purchase from you. So now you have to be better at problem finding. And that's what I always, when we're training companies, because what we see a lot is that they'll ask a few questions about the needs of the prospect and the prospect will tell them what the prospect thinks they need. And as soon as they hear that, what does the salesperson or entrepreneur do? Bam, jump in. Oh, well, here's how we solve that. But the problem is, is that your prospects on average, I'd say 99% don't really know what their real needs are when you first start talking to them. Okay. When I say that people are like, no, that's not true. People know what they need. I hate to tell you this, most of them don't, just like Steve Jobs said. So what we have to do, and I'll give you an analogy of this, okay, just to kind of run this home. Let's say you, Courtney, you wake up this morning, or you know, you wake up tomorrow and you're like, man, I got a really bad headache. Like, oh my gosh, this migraine is killing me. I need to go to urgent care to get some, you know, medication to get rid of my migraine because that's what you think you need, right? That makes sense. And you're like, hey, it's going to cost me... 50 to 100 bucks for the medication plus the copay. Here's my budget. You go into urgent care and the doctor starts asking you some questions about not just the, the pain, but how long you've had the pain and what's caused the pain and what it feels like. And they start to examine and diagnose. And then towards the end of it, the questioning that he or she has asked you triggers in your mind that maybe you have a bigger problem than what you originally thought you had. And oh, by the way, the doctor says, we might want to do a CAT scan of your brain because of X, Y, Z. You do the CAT scan. And oh, by the way, you find out you have a terminal tumor and you've got two months to live. Well, the hell with the budget. Okay. You thought you needed some medication to take care of the migraine. You ended up getting a CAT scan from the doctor's questioning and the diagnosis. Now you find out you have a tumor, a, a, a terminal tumor. You've got two months to live. And oh, by the way, the surgery is $2 million. And your insurance is going to cover 80% of it. So now you need to come up with 400 grand. Well, now you know what you really need. And now you're going to move heaven and earth to go out and get that budget to solve the newfound problem that you didn't know you had when you originally woke up. So if I was the doctor and you just came in and said, hey, I've got this headache. I need some medication. And I'm like, oh, really? And I asked you a couple of questions. Then I just like, here, here, take this to solve the problem because that's what you think you need. Then you wouldn't live. So that's the, that's kind of an analogy of what most salespeople do. All right. So when we're when I'm talking about problem finding, I'm talking about asking questions to the prospect that not only help them find one problem, but also can help them find two or three or four or five other problems that the prospect didn't even know they had. OK, because if we can't do that, like I said, the prospect does not feel that they have much of a problem. So if they only have one reason to buy. You're going to get more objections than a prospect that has that you help them find two or three or four or five other reasons 
why they should change and buy. So that's called problem finding, okay? Because like I said, most of your prospects don't know what their real problems are when you first start talking. Now, how do you help them find that they have more than one problem? It's easy. It's by building the gap. It's your questionability and your tonality that allows them to build that gap in their mind. Because if they don't build the gap, like we mentioned earlier, it's impossible for them to ever feel the need or urgency to want to change their situation with you. Now, what are most salespeople? Hate to say this, most salespeople are what we call product pushers. You know, you talked about that in a second ago. So what they do is they ask a few logical-based questions. Uh, John, tell me two challenges you're having, or you know, what are you looking for in a solution, or what type of budget do you have set aside for this? These are all surface-level questions, which they're going to give you what type of answer, surface-level answers in return, right? And so it's like taking a bucket of mud and basically like throwing it up against the wall where we hope and pray that something we're going to say is magically going to trigger that prospect to want to buy from us. And I call that hopium. You know, it's a drug that so many business owners and salespeople take where they hope and pray something in their slideshow is going to magically trigger that prospect to want to buy. And it is such a hard and unpredictable to way, way to make a living because you have no control in the sales process. So that's what I mean by problem finding. Yeah. I'd like to go back to that powerful metaphor that you shared about the doctor. And to zoom in and focus on the doctor for a minute, because let's say that you woke up with this horrible migraine, same scenario, you went to urgent care, and the doctor really didn't ask you that many questions. So they just asked you those surface level questions. They wrote you a prescription, and then you went and got the prescription, you didn't think anything was wrong. And then maybe a week or two or three weeks down the road, you wake up and you realize there is a much bigger problem going on. How much more would you trust a doctor who actually had an awareness of the problem, who asked you the right questions to help you get to the root of why the problem was happening. The root cause, yeah. The root cause of the problem and the level of trust. You would trust that doctor so much more than the one who just kind of looks at the surface you level. You would never go back to the you other doctor. Never, never. And the same is true in sales as well. You know, you've got to be good at finding the problem, knowing what the problem is, and also diagnosing it. And helping someone realize, you know, the gravity of what will happen if they let this problem go unchecked. So many salespeople and entrepreneurs think that if they have the most product knowledge and they can just dump that on the prospect, that somehow the prospect's going to think they're an expert. The exact opposite is true. All it does is it creates uncertainty in the prospect's mind when you dump on them. As an expert, for them to view you as the expert who's going to get them the result they want, your expertise comes from your expert questioning that you're asking and how you're asking it that takes them through different stages from connecting to their situation and what's really going on to, you know, what we call problem awareness. Like you, you made a good hint of it is what are the real problems? What are the, not just the problems, but the root cause of the problem? Like what's causing the problem? Okay. Most salespeople don't even find out what's causing the problem. They just find out a problem and then pitch, right? What's causing the problem? And most importantly, how are the problems affecting them even personally? Okay. So it's taking them through these situations, these questions and what we call solution awareness questions that get them to see what the future is going to look like once all these newfound problems are actually solved. Okay. What's that going to look like? And then we want to rip that away with what's called a consequence question. You know, let's say, let's say if you sold, you know, what you're talking about, like helping companies scale, you know, it's something like, you know, well, well, John, what, what happens if you don't do anything about this? 
And, you know, let's say that, how do you guys help them scale? Do you help them generate leads, processes, or what do you guys do? Just what, like- we, what we do is we help them get the structure and the systems in place so that they can scale. Because most of them don't even have that foundation that's needed to truly scale from. What happens if you don't do anything about this and you guys keep using these same systems you've had and your numbers keep stagnating another three, six, 12 months? Like what happens to the business then? If that was the case, let's say their numbers were stagnating, they were just the systems they're using were broken, right? It'd probably be more specific, but it's that type of question where it allows them to question their way of thinking and look at the ramifications and consequences if they don't do anything. And when they're able to say like, oh, no, 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 we've got to do something or no, 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 that's not going to happen. That's when that gap starts to build more. Or let's say if they come back like, well, I'd have to figure something out. Then you'd say, well, are you... Are you willing to settle for that? See, see how my tone shifts. More empathy and concern. If I'm like, well, are you willing to settle for that? Like I'm a prick, then that's going to give me a different response. See, that's a tonality adjustment there. But if I lean I'm like, well, are you, are you willing to settle for that? See how my voice fluctuates, like it goes down, like I have empathy. I have concern for them if they don't do anything. Well, no, I'm not willing to settle. Well, whose choice is it if you settle or not? Well, it's my choice. Well, how important is it for you to change your situation and put in the system so you can scale to get to $10 million a year. And you repeat back what they said they wanted. So it was a qualifying question. So just the tonality there and how you're asking it. Now, can I ask a consequence question like that in the first two minutes? No, because I haven't built any trust yet. I haven't built anything with them. That's more towards the end of the conversation. So it's all the structure. If you're a salesperson or entrepreneur and just kind of winging it on your calls, well, People that wing things in life typically don't do very well financially, right? We want a structure that psychologically takes them through a process that leads them to seeing in their mind that it's far less risky for them to get the funds together, purchase what you're offering, solve their problems, get what they want, than it is for them to do nothing at all, staying in the status quo, and nothing ever changes, which is more risky. And you're able to help them see that it's far more risky to do nothing that's when the sales made yeah i'm glad you bring up tonality again because i wanted to circle back to this and let's say you've got this problem right and it's this brain tumor and you found this out through this cat scan because you had this doctor who was willing to go there with you and help you get to the root of the problem not just write you a prescription yeah now if the doctor had just said okay look you got cancer i'm sorry you know you got two months to live and here's what i would recommend you know you, you would probably have a really hard time taking that information in. Whereas if they sat there with you and they took their time with you and they were gentle about it and they were sincerely interested in your well-being, you would receive that information very differently, which is what you're just speaking to. And Jeremy, I can tell you this. I had cancer when I was 25 years old. Holy cow, that's crazy. The doctor who came in and told me the news was the most kind-hearted, gentle, caring doctor that I have ever met in my entire life. Now I had another experience with a doctor later on. This was when I was pregnant for my son after recovery and after my cancer experience. And this doctor came in to tell me that my son might have a heart defect. Wow. And his delivery was entirely different. And he was like, basically how I felt now this might've not been his intention, but I felt that I was crazy to have made the choice that I made in the care of my son. He didn't agree with my choice and he let me know that. And it was a very different 
way that I received two very difficult pieces of information. So I share this to get back to your point about the tonality. And what can you share with us about things we should be thinking about on our sales calls? You know, again, it's a lot to think about. And and this is why sales is a skill you have to master. It's not something you're going to walk away from this episode and like suddenly be a master at. You can start practicing these little things, creating a gap, asking a question to help someone recognize what the consequence of not taking action is going to be, all these little things. And the tonality is a big piece of that. It's huge. Share with us more about that. Why is it so important? And how can we start working on our tonality? Yeah, it's 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 all the the perception that they have of you. I can take a script from a company that is the worst script on planet Earth. And just by changing my tonality compared to how they do it, sell three times more, even on horrible questions and like a horrible telemarketing script. But if I change my tone with certain, you know, what we call verbal cues, like uh, when they're talking like, uh-huh, ah, uh, okay, oh, I see, uh-huh, that's a verbal cue. Now, most of the time when you ask a question and people talk, what do most salespeople and entrepreneurs do? Sit there and listen. Like, it's like you're talking to your grandma on the phone and you just talk, talking for three minutes, you're like, and they don't say anything, you're like, are you there? Grandma, are you there? Well, they're not, they're, don't, they're not letting you know they're there. They're not letting you know you're listening. So verbal cues help them know you're listening. I also want to ask verbal, I also want to have verbal pauses. Let me give you an example of people who do exceptionally well with verbal pausing when they're speaking. Tony Robbins is one of them. He'll ask something and halfway through that question, he'll pause and let it sink in. And people are like, oh my gosh, like it just, it's powerful. Okay. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really get into politics. I, li- I like to watch, you know, different presidents, how they communicate. But like one really good communicator was President Obama. And when he would say things, he would a lot of times say a statement and just pause or like a question. He would pause before he said anything else. And the whole audience was like, oh, my gosh, you know, and it just triggered that emotional state. Now, that's not something he was born with. Those are acquired skills. I can assure you that nobody's born with advanced tonality and verbal pausing skills. Right. Let me know if you are. Nobody's born with advanced questioning skills or advanced objection prevention skills. Those are things you learn and you acquire. So let's say that you get on uh, an inbound call, okay, for an example, because uh, I know you're a, lot of, a lot of your audience sells high ticket for, from what you said. And we Probably 10, 20% of all our clients are probably in your space, at least 10%. And let's say that you have an A-type personality and they get on there and they're just kind of like, well, hey, just, you know, you know, tell me, tell me what you got. Like, we, you know, I'm meeting with several different, you know, coaches this week. Like, why should we go with you? That can happen sometimes with an A-type personality, especially if you trigger that in the beginning because you don't, you don't, your, your tonality comes off. So instead, what would most salespeople say? Well, the reason why you should go with us is A and B, and we have the best this, and we have the best that, and we have the best this, which by the way, doesn't every salesperson say they have the best? How many salespeople have, that have ever sold to you, Courtney, have said, yeah, our product is fifth best in the market? Nobody. Everybody says they're the best. Every company's ads say what? We have the best. So because the consumer has heard that billions of times and they hear it every day, when we say things like that, it either goes in one ear out the other, 
because they know you're the salesperson, or it actually triggers even more sales resistance and the prospect starts to emotionally shut down. And even the very best questions are never going to get them below the surface where the sales may. They're just going to stay surface level and throw out objections at the end. Does that sound familiar to everybody? So instead of saying that, you want to find out what's behind the question, like why they even asked that in the first place. So I want you to pay attention, everybody pay attention. If you can hear me or see me, pay attention to my verbal pausing, what I do here. Well, well, Jeremy, Jeremy, we're looking at a lot of other companies like why, you know, or we, you know, we already have a, let's say that we know we already have a coach because you guys are kind of the coach. We already have a coach for that. We already have a coach for that. Why should we go with you? You're going to say this. Well, you know, I'm not quite sure that you should yet. You know, we'd, we'd have to understand a, a little bit more about what you guys are doing now, like what type of systems you're using to scale the business and the results you're getting from that compared to where you're wanting to be to kind of see what that gap looks like, um, you know, to see if we can even help because maybe you don't even need us. Are you with me on that? Now, what did I just do there? Okay. When I said, well, well, I'm not quite sure that you should yet. You see that verbal pause? Did you hear that? Well, I'm not quite. Now, if I said this, well, I'm not quite sure that you should yet because, and I keep talking, that dilutes the power of that question. But if I pause here, well, I'm not quite sure that you should yet. You know, we'd have to see that other two second pause. There's a, there's a reason why I'm doing that because I know I have to disarm the prospect. I know I have to get them to let their guard down. And if they come up front and say things like, hey, why should we go with you? All they're doing is they're trying to, you know, basic, you're triggering a reaction from the salesperson and then they go into talk mode, sell mode, and then the prospect goes into fight or flight mode and tries to get rid of them. So I know I have to disarm that prospect. I have to, we call it disarming, you know, always be disarming. So at the end of that, now notice what I said at the end, you know, to, we'd have to understand kind of what you're, and I'm using your company as an example, we'd have to understand more about what you're doing now as far as the systems you're using to scale and the results you're getting from those compared to where you're trying to be to see what that gap looks like. Um, notice my hands to see what that gap looks like, right? To see what that psychologically does, that there's already a gap in their mind, okay? Um, just to see if we can even help because, you know, maybe you're better off staying with who you already have. Are you with me on that? Now, when I say, because maybe you're better staying off with who you already have, do I know that my company can probably do much better? Yes. Does the prospect know that yet? No, because I haven't even met them. There's no trust yet. So I know that I have to disarm them first. And towards the end of that discovery, that conversation, I'm going to help them start seeing that we could do a 10 times better job than who they're already with. But the first thing I have to do is get them to let their guard down, because if I can't do that, they'll never go below the surface with me. Yeah, it makes so much sense. That rapport is so important. And knowing how to build that rapport is often a challenge for people, you know, especially if you're not coming from a coaching space, right? If you're a coach already, you probably have some degree of rapport building skills and strategies up your sleeve, right? Can I share something on one way not to build rapport? Yes. Because a lot of a lot of people, a lot of salespeople in any industry, but even the high ticket space, they believe that rapport building is getting on there like, hey, how are you doing today? How's it going? Oh, yeah. Do you live in Dallas? Oh, man, it's so hot here in Arizona. And they think that's rapport building. But the problem is, is that every other salesperson that's ever tried that to sell that prospect anything also is doing what? Saying the exact same things. And so when you act and ask the same exact questions as everybody else that's trying to sell them vacuum cleaners, 
to maintenance, to toilet bowl cleaner, to lights, to a home, to a car, to coaching. They all just put you in the same category as just another salesperson trying to, they all know that you're not really wanting to know how their day's going, right? We all know that when a salesman, how you, how's your day going? We all know that they don't really want to sit there for 20 minutes while you talk about how your damn day's going, right? So it's just, it comes across to most people as like, yeah, they're trying to build rapport. Okay, so we don't want to do that. So never ask, how's your day going? Now, let's say the prospect asks you how your day's going. I see a lot of salespeople like, oh man, I'm doing really good. Just working hard, just drinking the coffee, just doing the work. That doesn't do anything. I want to downplay myself. I kind of want to poke fun of myself so they do what? They can come to my rescue because that's what we do psychologically as a human being, okay? So like, oh, how you doing today, Jeremy? Uh, you know, just, just hanging out, trying to stay out of trouble. What about you, man? Or, you know, just hanging out, being the boring guy. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure you're not boring, Jeremy. See, little techniques like that trigger them to loosen up a little bit because you're human. Oh, just hanging out, trying to, you know, be handsome over here like everybody else in the office. Oh, <laughs> you know, just little things like that, little things that you can say there trigger them to open up and laugh a little bit. And when you're able to do that, it instantly builds more openness. Yeah, exactly what you did at the start of this conversation. Exactly. That's exactly what, see, we're a training company. We do what we train. <laughs> it would be disingenuous for us not to do that, right? hundred percent. I love it. Jeremy, you've shared a lot with us today, and I know you've given our listeners a lot to think about. So this is an episode that for you listening, I want you to walk away and process this a little bit. Jot down your biggest takeaways, DM them to Jeremy. He's super active on Instagram. I'm sure he would love to see you there and, and to know that you listen to his episode here on this show. And Jeremy, because we covered so much today, I'm going to give you the final word. I want you to share anything else, given what we've talked about, that you think would be impactful for our listeners to take with them as they walk away from this episode? Well, just realize that, you know, uh, if you describe selling in one word, all selling is, is change. It's really what selling is, is change. It's about how good you are at getting your prospect to view in their mind that by them changing their situation, and that means purchasing your solution, them doing that is far less risky for them than them doing nothing at all Staying in the status quo, like I mentioned before, their problems stay the same and nothing ever changes. So if you think about what selling is, it's not about it's not about manipulating people. That's that's what average salespeople do. It's not selling is not adversarial. It's not you against the prospect trying to win them over so you can make money. That's literally what like really bad and average salespeople do in our day and age. You want to be really good at selling. Selling is collaborative. It's you working with the prospect to help them find and solve problems they didn't know they have. And when you learn the right skills to work with human behavior, selling becomes exceptionally easy for you and easy for the prospect. Uh, most of your sales are going to be laydowns. And I'm not talking about just the 5% you're getting now that are laydowns. I'm talking like 50% of your sales can be laydowns. Okay. And selling becomes very, very profitable because look, if we can't learn the right skills, like we talk, you know, especially in the high ticket space you're talking about. You guys are out there selling people products and services to help them, you know, learn how to do things, but yet you're selling and you're not investing in your own ability to learn how to sell and communicate. So you help more people. It doesn't, it's not congruent, right? So if you want to be able to help more people purchase your products and services, you have to do what? 
you have to learn more advanced skills because what you're saying and asking now has gotten you here financially, but how could it ever get you up here? It can't, you know, you can't work 50 hours a day, right? You can only take a certain amount of sales calls. So you have to learn more advanced skills. So anyways, uh, Courtney, if they want to, if they want to learn a little bit more about what we do, um, we'll just have them join. We can let them join our free Facebook group. They can get some free resources in there. Um, I think I gave you the, the, my assistant would have sent you the link. Just have them go to uh, www.salesrevolution.pro. So salesrevolution.pro. I think we have 30 some thousand people in there, you know, salespeople, coaches, consultants, all sorts of industries, many in your guys' industry as well. And right when they join uh, somebody on my team, uh, have checked your DMs, right when you join somebody on my team, will message you over a free training called the NEPQ 101 mini course. It's just a small course overview of what's called NEPQ. We didn't have time to get into that today. That's neuroemotional persuasion questioning. Um, and we'll give you some questions in there that will probably help you sell more of what you're doing now. Uh, and then we go live in there, I don't know, three, four times a week with different Q&As, different trainings. So they're welcome to join that if they want to get some uh, resources to sell more. And then look, if they want to learn more advanced training, they can always hit us up in that group and they can book uh, with one of our team members to go different, go through different training options we have for our clients. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes, Jeremy. I love how you created that gap at the end right there for our listeners. You know, Thank you for being here, for being a guest on the show, for sharing everything. I'd love to have you back because hey, look, we didn't even talk about objections. We didn't even we didn't even scratch the surface. We could have probably went for a couple of days. Yeah, I love talking with people like you that are like have the background in psychology because you get it right. You you are like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You know, like if we tell a company like, oh, your salespeople are actually triggering fight or flight mode when they say that, they're like, well, what's fight? They've heard of fight or flight mode, but they don't understand what triggers that. It's not the prospect triggering it. It's what you're saying quite literally or what you're asking that is triggering that reaction from the prospect. Okay. So once you learn how to change certain words you're doing now, like never say like, never call a prospect back. Like I'm just following up. I'm following back up with you or I'm just checking in. You might as well say to the prospect, Hey, I'm just calling to try to take your money. Cause that's how they interpret when you say I'm just following up or I'm just checking in, especially in an email. And especially in a phone call, because every salesperson that's ever tried to sell them anything says follow up and checking in. Now, you still have to follow up and check in, but you don't want to use that word. So I'm, I might say, hey, John, you know, let's say it's a, a lead that didn't buy six months ago. Hey, I'm just following up. You don't want to say that. You say, hey, John, I, I know we talked a few months ago and I just had time to get back to you. So I just had time to get back to you implies that you're busy. You've got lots of other clients. You don't need their business. But if I'm saying, oh, I'm just checking in or I'm just following up, they know what that means. So you just relanguage it a little bit. Makes so much sense. Guys, for you listening, definitely check out the show notes. Go follow Jeremy. His reels are awesome. I'm sure his Facebook group equally so. Thanks, Courtney. I appreciate it. All right, my friend, if you learned something new today, I know Jeremy would love to hear about it. You can find him on Instagram at Jeremy Lee Miner, and he's there every day sharing daily tips in his stories and in his reels to help you improve your sales game. So you can follow him there, and I know he would absolutely love it if you send him a DM and let him know what your biggest takeaway was from today's episode. Now, coming up on the show next week, we are going to start dropping a special series here on the podcast just for you to help you solve your lead generation problems once and for all. Because in order to truly solve the sales problems in your business, you've got to solve the lead generation problem first. 
So if you're listening to my voice right now, and if your revenue and lead generation has been unpredictable or inconsistent for 90 days or more, even if you're posting consistently on social media and you've tried every organic marketing strategy in the book, and it seems that no matter what you do, others aren't seeing the value in what you have to offer, then you are not going to want to miss this series. All right? I will see you back here next Tuesday. Until then, go live your effortless life. As you might have heard me mention inside this episode, if you want to join me for our next live workshop where I'm going to show you how to avoid the biggest mistakes that cause most podcasts to fail within the first 12 months and literally walk you through the exact framework that we teach our students to launch their shows in the top 100 and convert more of their listeners to clients, just go to the effortlesslife.co forward slash podcast workshop. That's the effortlesslife.co forward slash podcast workshop.